Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. I'm honored to introduce as our guest today, Elise Zuber. Elise is a longtime friend. She's a coach. She's a counselor. She's the leader and orchestrator of the Winning at Home Network. And a few weeks ago at our staff meeting, she shared a meaningful thought on how to handle rejection. And I think that rejection is something that we all experience in different ways, in different forms, in different stages of our lives. And my prayer is that this message will be as encouraging to you as it was to me. Here's Elise. I recently attended a webinar on the trauma of rejection and how some people, when they're rejected, enter into every situation with extreme fear or they simply avoid all situations that could result in rejection. I personally haven't met anyone in my lifetime that enjoys being rejected. The kind of rejection I'm talking about is when a person feels they've been pushed away or that their idea is garbage. Really, it's any rejection. Rejection is experienced on large scales and sometimes even small scales. Rejection leads to a lower sense of self-worth. It impacts our confidence. It adds to feelings of anxiety and depression. It heightens our sadness, and for some people, it can even lead to bouts of anger. Knowing this, it's totally understandable how for some people, the experience of rejection results in something similar to trauma. Rejection just is not fun. Well, after attending the webinar, I started thinking about some of my own experiences with rejection, how they shaped me and steered me on the path I'm on now. Maybe like me, your rejection started with a note that you passed to that cute kid in third grade that said, do you like me? Check yes or no. Well, I suppose now that those, those notes are kind of done on a phone app and you can send the message that says, if you like me, swipe left. If you don't, swipe right. Regardless, maybe like me, that no check came back. And it came back with snickers and giggles from the other classmates. The message was, don't stick yourself out there. Don't take a risk. Maybe it was in gym class when you were one of the last people to be chosen for the team. That was often my story. I was uncoordinated, I was asthmatic, and I was never considered an asset to any team. The message was, I better find something else to succeed at or I'll never belong. Personally, my worst rejection came as a 16-year-old. I found myself pregnant, and that's a whole other story I don't have time to get into today. But the church, the church I grew up in, they rejected me. No one bothered to ask what happened. They didn't stop to see if I was okay. Instead, they gossiped about me, called me derogatory names, and treated me as though I was something that was contagious to the other teens in the church. The message I got, I will never be good enough, pure enough, or worthy enough to be in a church. Your story might not be like mine. Perhaps your rejection came from your parents, a relationship, or maybe an employer. But the feelings, they're very universal. That fear of further rejection, the narrative that includes shame and unworthiness, Perhaps that desire to avoid any situation altogether that could leave you more vulnerable to rejection. 
Or maybe you've never experienced rejection. If that's your story, I, I celebrate with that with you. But regardless, I would guess that, like me, you have gone through rejection. And for sure, you know people, people in your family, people you interact with, maybe people you work with, people you encounter on a daily basis that have had some pretty intense experiences with rejection. So what is Christ's followers? Image bearers of the Most High God, people who are to reflect Jesus to a broken world. What are we to do with this rejection? I know the webinar that I attended gave me some great tips, but it was still missing such an essential piece, a part of the entire process that is the only pathway to full healing. I would assume that most of you listening to this know that Jesus himself was rejected. He relates to rejection, but perhaps we don't fully grasp the depth of how much he does relate. We so often view Jesus as this wonderful Savior who saves us from the grasp of sin and death. And he is that for sure. But we skip over the fact that he was also a suffering servant. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one who from people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Friends, Jesus was deeply rejected. In Hebrews 4, we learn that Jesus is able to empathize with all of our weaknesses, our frailties. Jesus understands our rejection on such an intimate level. He personally gets it. But I also think that Jesus gives us as people who are his hands and feet in a broken world the model that we can all look to when we either are navigating our own rejection or helping somebody else navigate it. I'm going to read with you from John chapter 4. You may have heard about the woman at the well. I want you to know that she is one of my favorite people to read about. And just seeing how Jesus interacts with her it makes me fall in love with him all over again. In fact, I'm pretty sure when I get to heaven and I've had my fill of that feast and I've worshiped for 10,000 years, I'm going to activate my subscription to Godflix and I'll do a marathon session of just watching all the seasons of her life. I assume there has to be at least seven or eight seasons. There's the childhood, the five husbands, the one she's living with now, meeting Jesus at the well, and then the finale, the finale, what happened after she encountered him? Well, I'm going to start at verse 3 of John chapter 4. You see, Jesus had been gaining in popularity around the area, and his disciples had been baptizing people. But they had to pick up and move to a new location. Verse 3 starts with, So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. I have to stop right there. Did you hear that he had to go through Samaria? If you and I had been living in that time and in that area and we were Jewish, we would have had done everything possible to avoid going through Samaria to get back to Galilee. In fact, we would have taken the long way around. Because you know why? Samaritans. <laughs> Samaritans were those people. 
You know the ones. The ones you already avoid. The ones you already rejected. The ones you cross to the other side of the street so you don't even rub shoulders with them. You don't have to talk to them. You don't even have to say hello to them. But we read that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There is so much going on here already, and this woman gives us a clue as to her acknowledgement of her rejection. She knew that Jesus was indeed supposed to reject her for two reasons. First, she was a Samaritan. And second, she was a woman. Yet Jesus was talking to her. Well, we can make further assumptions about her rejection because she was coming to draw water at a time of day when no one was supposed to be there. She went alone. She avoided the crowds. She avoided stares of the other women who would have been there in the morning drawing water. We know hers is a story of rejection. Well, most of us know, if we've read John chapter 4, that the conversation starts with Jesus asking her for a drink of water and then him starting to talk about living water and how she can have this living water. Well, she desperately wants it. So Jesus tells her to go get her husband. Picking back up in verse 16, he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, is that you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Well, Jesus must have been incredibly empathetic. He must have been gentle and kind with her as he spoke that truth to her because she was willing to continue to have a conversation. You see, if she had felt intense shame about that truth, the truth he spoke, it would have shut her down. But they kept talking. They started talking about worship and beliefs. Listen to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. His disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? I can just picture the scene here. They were dumbfounded. Why on earth was Jesus talking to a Samaritan? And worse, a woman. And even worse, a woman like that. I can imagine. 
I can imagine her life. I imagine the, the names that she was called in the village, the rejection, the isolation, the loneliness. It makes me wonder what her story was. Why five husbands? And did she have any children? Were they rejected too? Did the other kids play with them? Was anybody ever kind to her? Or did they just whisper behind her back? Oh, Jesus did. Jesus sat with her. Jesus validated her, told her the truth. He dignified her, and he showed her the love and mercy that she needed in the middle of her rejection. Jesus understood what it was like to be her. We might not be able to sit at that well with Jesus and have that same type of conversation that she did, but we can certainly go be with him. We can be in his word. We can open our hearts and our minds to his voice, allow him the opportunity to speak into our own rejection stories. We don't have to go sneaking around when there's no one to see us. We can come boldly before the throne of grace and sit at his feet. We can have the opportunity to allow Jesus to see us, to validate us, to speak that truth, and in the middle of that, show us his love and his grace. We can guide our family members and our friends to do the same. We can be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus as they vulnerably share those sacred parts of their lives with us. Oh, but the story is not done here. The story is far from over. You see, there's a twist that we sometimes miss as we're sitting in that broken space of rejection, a part that's so profound that that trauma, the trauma of rejection actually becomes a gift. I'm going to pick back up in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. Friends, it was the rejection that these townspeople gave this woman that brought her to the well at the very same time that Jesus would be sitting down for a rest because he had to go through Samaria. It was the trauma that she went through that caused her to avoid people. But that rejection, that trauma led her, a woman, one of those people, a reject, to become the very first evangelist in their city. 
Her experience with Jesus was so incredible that she couldn't help but run into town and tell them all that Jesus was. The same woman who that town fully rejected called her names, made her be isolated, made her suffer. She could have kept that good news to herself. She could have not told a soul, but instead she laid down her rights and she ran into town. There's no possible way that she could have fathomed that her rejection would result in such a gift. She could not see God working or moving in the middle of her story. In fact, I imagine she felt rather alone, but Jesus had to go through Samaria. This same Jesus who was rejected, who suffered, who understands everything we go through, who gets it. This Jesus who laid down his rights for you, for me. He laid them down so that we too could drink from that living water. And it's through that woman's testimony and through Christ's work on the cross that I believe there is something that has to be done for you too, for your family members, for your friends. You see, I believe that Jesus is orchestrating something in the middle of the rejection, the space between that's even bigger than we can imagine. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We have this opportunity. We have an invitation, the choice to go and sit with Jesus, to be receptive to what he wants us to know in the middle, in that middle space, to reflect him to our family and friends, and to help guide them to that well too. We just need to be willing to go there ourselves. That webinar I attended, it gave me some great ideas, tools that would help alleviate anxiety and the trauma for entering into experiences that could lead to rejection. It even talked about tools to work past the rejection, to reframe in my mind and to give it new meaning. Yet, it missed the important piece, the healing, the healing of rejection that comes from Jesus. My rejection, the rejection that I talked about, the worst one for me, it actually brought me to a church that affirmed women in ministry, a church that showed me grace, one where I met my husband, one that helped get me on the path that God had for me had for me as now I'm a pastor and I work at winning at home. I will say my rejection, it hurt at the time, but I'm now at a point of seeing the bigger picture. I see the gift and I love that I get to join him in inviting others into having that conversation with him. So the next time you find yourself sitting in that space, that space of rejection, or maybe somebody you know is sitting there right now, go to Jesus. Know that first, he understands. And I'm pretty sure he feels your rejection personally. Maybe he even hurts for you as one of the people he loves most. One of the people he willingly took on rejection for. Go, sit with him for a while. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
rejection feels pretty crushing. But it is in that rejection that he is so close. Ask him what he wants you to know. What does he want you to know in this middle space? What does he want you to do? Perhaps he just needs you to know that just like the Samaritan woman, he sees you, he validates you, you matter so much to him. Sit with him. He won't reject you. If there's something more, he's going to show you. And I believe it's something that you can't even fathom. Just wait on him. He's faithful. Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we are so grateful for you. So grateful that you willingly took on rejection for our sakes. That you understand us in the depth of our hurt, in the depth of our trauma and our sorrow. That you get it. But you are so intentional. You take the time to go to places where other people don't want to go. You go to those places to be with us, to sit with us, and to guide us. And so, Jesus, today I just pray for for anyone listening that you would be so present and so real in their lives, that you would show them that hope, that hope that you have for them in the middle of their rejection. And Jesus, if they are helping somebody else navigate a rejection story, would you give them that wisdom? Would you give them that peace and that grace and that kindness that can only come from you as they walk that path with another person? Jesus, we need you desperately, and we love you. And I lay this all at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.